and welcome to the Grit and Grace podcast. I'm your host, Tonya Bruton, and I'm so glad that you're here listening to the show today. I'm always glad to have each and every one of you listening in, and I always pray that each episode finds you uh, blessed in the Lord. This is a midweek show, so I always hope that you can get some encouragement from coming in and listening to the show during the midweek and get some encouragement for your week and some inspiration and uh, always bring God glory. But uh, I believe that you are going to be inspired today uh, because my special guest is Mr. Barry Adkins. And Barry, let me tell you a little bit about Barry uh, before I bring him on. He has shared the dangers of binge drinking and his experience of losing his 18-year-old son, Kevin, to alcohol poisoning with a wide audience. The first day of Kevin's adulthood turned out to be his last. Barry's message serves as both a powerful inspiration and a warning about the consequences of even a single night of binge drinking. Barry's compelling presentation has saved countless lives and he is driven by his desire to make something very good come from the tragic death of his son, Kevin. In 2007, Barry embarked on an epic 1,400-mile journey, carrying his son's ashes in his backpack from Gilbert, Arizona to uh, Kalispell, Montana. His mission was to share his story, reaching reaching thousands through media coverage and delivering presentations at schools, churches, and treatment facilities along the way. Uh, Barry's presentation vividly recounts the night his son died, the quiet Sunday morning when he received the devastating news and how he conceived the idea to walk from Arizona to Montana. We're going to ask him about that today. But his main themes in his presentations include decision-making, adversity, and forgiveness. His ch- He challenges students and young people to reflect on the kind of story they want to create for themselves. So first off, Barry, I am honored and delighted to have you on today. I know you're here to tell Kevin's story and talk about the dangers of binge drinking. Uh, tell us more about yourself, uh, your family, and and then go ahead and introduce us or take us into your story. Well, the story of my family is probably sort of the normal American story. Um, as I always say, I'm that guy, you know, I... Uh, I've got kids and grandkids. Uh, I've been working in high-tech industry for 40 years. Probably the only other background um, people might find interesting is I actually worked on commercial fishing boats up in Alaska back in the 70s. Um, it was a it was a fascinating time, but that's what motivated me to uh, go to school, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> that that is interesting. Uh, very interesting. Uh, so, uh, but today you're you're going around and you're telling your story, uh, and you do that quite often, correct? Yeah, yeah. I'm actually doing. Uh, I'm going to do three presentations tomorrow to school, and then three more of the following day. So, three is my limit for the day. Uh-huh. <laughs> I can't do more than three because yeah. it's uh, it's a very draining thing to do. I'm, I, well, I imagine so that, I mean, three is a lot, uh, really, because it sounds like you're keeping yourself busy. Um, yeah. Well, go ahead and take us into into your story, Barry. Um, how did this all begin? Um, I mean, I'm aware, but let's let our listeners just kind of go go into the beginning of the story, the night that, um, that you lost Kevin. 
So I'll kind of tell you the shortened version uh, of all of this. So Kevin graduated from high school in June of 2005. Um, He got a job right out of high school, making good money. He decided he wanted a new truck. Uh, I agreed to co-sign a loan for him. Um, I told him he needed to give me three months worth of insurance payments and car payments before I would sign that loan, right? Because I wanted him to be on the hook for it. Mm. Uh, I hoped that he would find one from a private party. I would go down to the credit union, sign papers, and be out of there in five minutes. But he found one at a dealership. And so that meant I had to go in and sign papers. And, you know, dealerships, uh, I apologize if somebody out there works at a dealership, but Mm -hmm. I hate that process, right? Because I know what's going to happen. And I go in and sit down in the dealership's office. And the first thing the guy asked me is, how about some life insurance? Like, uh, I don't need any life insurance. My wife will do just fine if something happens to me. Wow. And, you know, it was one of those things where, you know, I'm that guy that said that, right? I It didn't even occur to me, you know, that anything would ever happen to him. Of but course. a couple of weeks later, uh, he walked into our living room and sat down in a brown chair that sits in front of this big picture window that looks out over our backyard and started talking about how he couldn't believe his life was finally beginning and he wanted to move out. And I, I did my best to discourage him because, frankly, we really never had a problem with him. Hmm. And so he decides to move out. A couple of weeks later, his buddy Craig comes over and they start the process of moving him out. And they're 18 years old, right? Yeah. He threw a bed, a TV, and a dresser in the back of his truck. And that was his idea of moving out for the day. Right. And I remember him coming back in, going into his bedroom. And, and uh, I'm sure nobody else has this with their teenagers, but he had a pile of clean wrinkled clothes on the floor next to a pile of dirty clothes. He never folded any clothes. So he put a pair of the jeans, clean jeans, in the dryer to de-wrinkle and came into the living room and told me something I'd never forgotten. He said he wasn't going to take his toothbrush with him. He'd be back tomorrow and get it. Mm. Put on his jeans. I walked out front with him like I normally do. Gave him a hug. Told him that I loved him and to be careful. Watched him drive away. It was the last time I saw him alive. That night, his friends decided to throw a little housewarming party for him. Started with a keg of beer moved on to shots. He left a voicemail for his sister that night talking about how he'd been drinking and what a good time they were having. But a short time after he left that voicemail, he passed out. And his friends at the party put him in his bed on his side in case he vomited. But the party was still going on. He actually went in and shaved. They went in and shaved his head and his legs while he was passed out because... He's just passed out, right? It's not that big a deal. Mm. Uh, but his buddy Craig was worried about him, kept going back in to check on him. And around 4 a.m., calls started coming into 911. The first calls were difficulty breathing. Next calls were not breathing. My son died alone in a hospital. I bed. Next morning was Sunday morning. My wife and I are sitting around drinking coffee, talking about what we're going to do that day. At about 8.30 in the morning, the doorbell rings. 
and we're looking at each other because we weren't expecting company. I open the door and I see two police officers and somebody in plain clothes at the front door. That should have been a big red flag, right? Mm. It, it should have been, but I'm that guy. It didn't even occur to me that something bad had happened. I actually joked with them as they came in thinking this had something to do with a car or a dog. I had nothing, right? Right. But they didn't laugh at any of my jokes. One of the officers and the person in plain clothes stayed by the front door. The other officer walked in and stood in front of a brown chair that Kevin had sat in two weeks before and talked about how his life was finally beginning. He said there'd been an accident and that your son is dead. We asked who, because we have a number of children. They said it was Kevin and they handed me his driver's license. Mm. There's something pretty final about it when a police officer hands you your child's driver's license. Because until that exact moment in time, you're holding out hope that this is all a big mistake. You've misspelled the last name. Get out of here. Mm. You need to be three streets over or at least next door, right? Mm. Any place but my place. But when they hand you your child's driver's license, you know he's gone. And he's never coming back. Hmm. Lord, I mean, as you tell your story, first of all, you know, I know it's been a while, but as someone who's lost a child, it it doesn't matter. I'm still sorry for your loss. The pain is always there. Um, And (laughs) excuse me. uh, But when you tell his story, I think of my son. Um, My son, Noah, is. Um, 18 years old and uh, he well he's almost 19 now and he moved out last year and like like you say uh, he never we would never expect anything out like that out of him either Um, you know uh, you it it was it was just a total shock would have been a total shock Um, and uh, but so when that happened um, you know, it says here that you're sharing his story because you want to make meaning. I I can fully uh, understand that to make meaning out of Kevin's life. But was I have to wonder, was there a time between when this happened? Of course, I'm, I know there was, but a uh, time between when this happened to when you started out on your journey and everything that you had to forgive God or that you had, did it affect your relationship with God at all? It did, it did with me. I'm just asking, you know, the question of, if you, if you questioned the Lord or how you resolved that before you came to the re, you know, the resolution to um, go out and do what you're doing today. Yeah. Um, I think, that's a very normal thing. I, to be honest, I was angry with God. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I didn't understand why he didn't just take me, right? I'm I'm the older one. He's got his whole life ahead of him. Uh, I was angry with God, and I and I told him so. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I didn't understand, and and I guess I'll roll right into um, something I really hadn't planned to talk about, but <clears throat> we'll go ahead and talk about it. So I was angry with God and I simply didn't understand why he would let this happen. Three days after Kevin passed away, 
at about four o'clock in the morning, I was laying in bed awake when I felt a presence in the room. I, I can't describe it, uh, but there was a light, a light I'd never seen before and haven't seen since. And the message was clear. Kevin didn't suffer and something very good will come from this. And that's been my thing ever since then is to try to figure out what that is. Oh, I just got chills. Um, I feel like something similar had happened to me on a different ex experience or a different situation. I'm sorry, but it was like a light. It was <clears> like you say, like a light I'd never seen before. And it felt something like, like you hear a message, but maybe not audibly, but there's something, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's just so real. And it was like, the, it's like the presence of God just fills the room and, and gives you this, this message, this resolve, this peace that only could come from an experience with him like that. Um, so yeah, definitely. I appreciate, I appreciate you sharing that Barry. Thank you so much. So, um, so how about how you conceived the idea to do the walk then? Well, I'll start that by, uh, kind of explaining a little more um so i had to go pick up his ashes right i decided mm -hmm. to have we decided to have him cremated and you know you go down to the funeral home you walk into the funeral home they're playing nice music in the background there's pictures on the wall they take me into an office sit me down in a big comfortable chair with a big desk in front of me and a funeral director walks in sets an urn down in front of me that holds all the remains of the kid that I burped, changed his diapers, coached his baseball, soccer, football, basketball, taught him to shoot a gun and swing a golf club. All the remains of him were sitting in front of me. There's one thing I knew at that point, and that was that I didn't want to be a victim. Because mm. the world doesn't need any more victims. The world needs people who take something bad and they make something good come from it. Oh, amen. And I thought about what I would hope somebody else would do if it happened to their kid. And for me, the, the answer was pretty easy. It was to get out and tell the story, mm. not to raise money, because mm -hmm. here's a dirty little secret for you. There is no money in the world that'll fix the hurt. Mm. The only thing that helps is to try to make something good come from it. Um. And from there, uh, we decided to take his ashes from Gilbert, Arizona, where we live, to Kalispell, Montana, where I grew up. Uh, and for the older people in the audience, the background on the idea to walk to Montana actually came from the movie Lonesome Dove. Okay. If I don't know if anybody out there has seen that before, but it's Tommy Lee Jones and Robert Duvall. It was Kevin's favorite movie. I won't give away the movie, but I'll just say that's where the idea in my mind, where that came from. Mm. I see. Okay. Interesting. It's been a while since I, now, now you're going to make me go watch the movie. It's been, <laughs> I, I have seen it. I love Robert Duvall and, um, and, but it's been a while. So, um, but so tell it, describe, can you describe the walk a little bit to us? So what was that like? 
Well, it was, uh, it's now about 16 years in the rearview mirror and it was, um, it was an incredible adventure. Um, there's a lot of people that tried to talk me out of it, um, because they were afraid I would fail. And there was that risk, right? I mean, it's 1400 miles and I needed to average about 90 miles a week and there's roads and there's weather and there's injuries and health and all of that stuff. But I didn't have a single sick day or weather day the whole time. I mean, there was days I didn't really feel like going, but I always thought, well, maybe I'll, it'll be worse tomorrow. So I should go today. Mm. Right. So yeah. um, The good Lord uh, definitely helped with that. Oh, wow. That's, that's awesome. That's awesome. So now you go around and you tell the stories at churches and recovery centers and such. I mean, I don't know. If, uh, well, I like, I would like to feature, I love to feature show, you know, I'm um, sorry, content on this, on this show uh, regarding any recovery topics, whether it's alcoholism or in this, you know, this case related topic, binge drinking um, or addiction or whatever it is. Um, it can happen to it. And, and I, I, I'm always, careful to highlight the fact that it can happen to anyone, um, uh, you know, and that we need to raise awareness. And I'm always trying to do that. Um, so I appreciate what you're doing as well. So what in your talks, when you go out, you know, you talk to young people. Uh, so what about the dangers of binge drinking? Uh, what's the message that you take to your audiences, Barry? Well, it's, um, kind of interesting how it's evolved because I've done it hundreds of times but basically at the beginning I tell everybody I'm not here to tell you how to live your life I'm just here to tell you a story and as you listen to that story maybe think about what you want your story to be and I have three things that I have them take away that are all biblical truths then the first one is about decision making right Mm -hmm. two most important decisions you're ever going to make in your life are about drugs and alcohol apart from following christ um you need to educate yourselves about the dangers of drug and alcohol abuse as if your life depends upon it because it does Mm -hmm. and there's plenty of biblical truths about temptation and that kind of stuff um and the second one is about adversity right? The way you respond to adversity is going to define your life. Notice I didn't say might, it will define your life. Uh, James talks about it. um, Chapter one, verses two through four. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete lacking in nothing. Um, my only comment on that verse is when you're going through it, it's, it's not joy. Mm. When you emerge on the other side, there is a sense of a completely changed person. And the third thing, uh, is about forgiveness. Um, boy, that's all over in the Bible, but Uh, It was easy for me to forgive the guys at the party because this was Kevin's choice. This was his decision. It was easy for me to forgive my kid because that's what parents do. But it was a little tougher to forgive myself. 
Uh, it took 1400 miles and five pairs of shoes, but I have found a way to forgive myself. Uh, I heard a pastor describe it best once. He said that anger and vengeance lead to one thing, destruction. Hmm. Forgiveness leads to healing. And sometimes, sometimes the most important person you need to forgive is yourself. We all make mistakes. It's the way you handle it that matters. I have to agree. That is so true. That is so true. Um, and for me, the hardest person to forgive was myself and, and between myself and God, but not forgiving yourself can, you can end up with such a thorn in your side going through life. Um, it, it really is right. You know, it really does right you inside. Um, and so forgiveness is definitely essential and it's for us and it's, like you say, it brings about healing um, and definitely number two, adversity. Uh, that's a good scripture to bring up for sure. But uh, I really appreciate the first one as far as you saying this part from our uh, decision to follow, to live for the Lord. Our decision, <laughs> whether or not to do drugs or alcohol is the most important decision we can make in our life. And I've never thought about it. I've never thought about it like that, but that is so true. I mean, I would have to totally agree. I would have to totally agree. Um, and a lot of those decisions are made early on in life, uh, for a lot of, for a lot of people younger than Kevin. Um, so, uh, I hope that you are making quite an impact when you are talking to these young people. Is it, are you mostly out speaking to the young people and their parents or it's it's a little bit of both. Uh, so I speak at so tomorrow and Thursday I will be at a high school. Uh, I also do a fair amount of work with MAD Mothers Against Drunk Driving because part of their mission is prevention of underage drinking. So I go to their what they call a victim impact panel where they have people that have gotten DUIs and they're court ordered to come to this uh, panel and. There, I tell the story. So it's largely adults at that. Oh, uh, I see. I see. Well, that's really cool that you do that. I've heard of that group for sure. Uh, I've no, I didn't know that, that they did um, or to the extent of what they do, but that's pretty neat. Um, so is there anything else, Barry, that I've left out that you feel led to talk about or share today or about what you're doing or? Well, I think it's probably worthwhile because there's probably a fair amount of adults listening to understand a little bit about grief. Um, so I'm roughly 18 years in the rear view mirror. Okay. And, um, there's one thing, and this is going to sound a little bit harsh, but it's the reality. Um, when you lose a child or you lose a loved one, you spend a lot of time wanting to to feel the way you did before that person died. And that's simply not possible. The old you is gone with the death of that loved one. The new you can be a better you, or as you alluded to, it can destroy you. That's, that's something, you know, you have to decide, but the new you can be a better you. Um, 
but the old you is you're never going to feel the way you did before the day before that person passed away. It's just not physically possible to do that. Um, and I have one other thing I'm going to read. Actually, I was reading this this morning and <laughs> <laughs> this just came up. Uh, so I have, um, I read uh, Unto the Hills. It's a daily devotional by Billy Graham. Okay. Uh, it's a, He's got all kinds of stuff in here, but this prayer that I read today, I thought might be appropriate here. Our Father and our God, when I think of your son's horrible suffering on the cross, I know my own pain is so small. Help me to endure my trials with faith and hope because of the suffering he endured for me. And help me to give comfort I have received from you to others in pain. In Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for sharing that. That was beautiful. And I do think that is very appropriate. And um, I do like what you had to share about grief. Um, I am 20. <laughs> I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm already 20 something years out. And, uh, but I, I concur. I concur. <laughs> so where can our audience find you? Barry, um, online. Uh, I know that you have a website. Uh, Kevin'sLastWalk.com is the one you gave me. And uh, yes, okay. So, in general, Facebook uh, is the best way. That's where I, you know, I post all the stuff that I've. Well, not all the stuff I've done, but I, I post on Facebook. It's Kevin's Last Walk, all one word. Um, and while we're still recording, I will say. Um, I'm always happy to go someplace and tell this story. Um, if I have to travel, I need costs for, you know, airlines and hotels, but um, I'll come to your town. I just need someone to connect me up. Uh, I can do it at schools. Uh, you've seen, you've got the uh, videos. Mm, um, yeah. That's exactly what I say when I'm at the school. Those are word for word. Uh, what I would do at a school or there's a, a different version for the church, uh, obviously in the schools, at least here in Arizona. Right. Um, it's kind of an interesting thing. I, I preach the gospel, but I don't quote them chapter and verse. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I understand. I understand. <laughs> and those, and those videos that we're talking about um, are on Barry's YouTube channel as well. Um, and I think you can get to that through your website. I think that's how I got to it. I believe so. Okay. Um, I can send you links to those if I haven't sent those already. I, I believe you did because, like I said, I, I watched them, and um, so I'll yeah. put them. I will put them up so that way um, people can reach you. I think that's awesome what you're doing and putting yourself out there and available to do. Um, well, Barry, I have had a wonderful time, you know, talking with you today. I know that these stories are not easy to talk about of course and but you know god like you say can i always say make meaning out of my mess is how i say it make meaning <laughs> out of my mess whether it's a mess i made or it's just a mess that i stepped into or a mess that happened somehow i'm all i well it's a you know life's a, a journey of ups and downs but i've definitely been in some valleys <laughs> so but yeah. you know i don't want it I, that's always been my prayer is that you know, like you say, we have a choice to make or we have a decision to make going forward. Are we going to 
live in regret and negativity or guilt or shame or or whatever it is or or um you know constantly question things are are we going to uh, accept God's forgiveness, accept our forgiveness, forgive ourselves and find meaning in it, find peace and then find meaning in it and then walk in a purpose to, to bring hope and encouragement to others. And I know that you're doing that. So, but again, thank you so much for coming on Barry. Um, I hope you, um, are, can, you know, I hope people that are inspired today will reach out to you. Um, and then as far as, uh, the listeners, you guys are concerned. I will make sure that Barry's uh, contact info is available to you. And as always, uh, just like Barry, I post on the Grit and Grace podcast Facebook page. Almost all of my updates are on that platform as well. All right. So thank you so much for listening today. I appreciate it. Until next time, this is Tonya again with the Grit and Grace podcast. Be blessed in Jesus' name. Bye bye.